welcome to the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast with your host, Seth Wolkoff. Welcome back to the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Woolcock. We're in the studio early this morning. Gonna knock this out. Excited to be here. Football is on the way. By the time you're listening to this, it's probably already back. So I hope Thursday night did not disappoint everyone. And yeah, this is the all-in episode of the show. Yeah. I'm going to have some good friends on the show later. Former Bottom Line Fantasy host Chris Cummings is going to join me later in the show to talk about his all-ins. It's always fun. Make sure you stick around for that. And Tom Kuda is going to join us once again to discuss some potential week one breakouts and also give us his all-ins for the season. But first, I'm going to give you my starts and sits for the week. As always, you can find that in my start, sit, and Seth column at thepen.org under the sports tab. But before we get to any of that, I would like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor. Tom's Pizza. Whether it's draft day, game day, or any day of the week, Tom's Pizza on South 7th Street in Indiana has got you covered to get you through the fantasy football regular season. They have hoagies, pizza, pita, salads, and so much more. Check them out today. Again, that's Tom's Pizza on South 7th Street. In Indiana. I'd also like to take this time to thank the man who creates all the music for us here at the In Between. That's Nate Miller, aka his artist name is Ism. You can follow Nate and his music at, on Instagram at Crazy Nates. That's spelled C R A Z Y N 8 S. Again, that's Crazy Nates on Instagram at C R A Z Y N 8 S. Uh, Nate's got a new song out with his band Lift the Stigma, The Other Side Check it out, it's going to be a hit someday soon Uh, That's on Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube Wherever you listen to your music Also keep an eye out for uh, another group that Nate is involved in uh, Sam Wilder, uh, his EP Homebound is about to drop So definitely check that out as well Thank you for the music Nate And yeah Start, sit, and set. So I know it's fall. I know football's back. You're probably busting out those cornucopia decor. You're probably heading to a Friday night football game this weekend. But before that, before all that, I wanted to just touch a little bit on an amazing summer I had. Uh, Did a little bit of traveling, kind of tried to find myself a little bit. I traveled to the Big Apple once. If you're ever in the Big Apple and don't want to actually stay in the Big Apple because Manhattan is awful, definitely check out Astoria, Queens. If you're heading up more north than that, another awesome place I would check out is Watch Hill, Rhode Island, Mystic, Connecticut, New London, Connecticut. They're just some cool places I traveled over the summer. Just kind of reflected back on that a little bit. And yeah, it kind of all led me back to here, back to writing, back to podcasting, and back to fantasy football. So if you want more on that, more on my summer, more on summer in general, check out that column at thepen.org. And let's jump on in with some quarterbacks. I'd start this week. He's a bad man. Woo! This brother's on another level. I'm just trying to tell you something. So I know, I know Russell Wilson 
from Seattle. He has not been the hottest starter of really a fantasy football. You normally don't want to start him these first couple weeks. He's kind of a slow starter. He gets off to a slow burn, if you would. Uh, but offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer, he said he wants to get Chris Carson and Rashad Penny more involved in the passing game this season. If that's the case here in week one, I think going up against a, a Cincinnati defense that allowed the fourth most points to opposing quarterbacks last season, I think it's hard not to love Russell Wilson here in week one. I think he steps up big. We have improved Seattle defense, so I'm all in on starting Russell Wilson to begin the season. But a quarterback I'm not too too keen on this week. Probably no surprise to a lot of you. I'm just sitting out here watching airplanes. It's Ryan Fitzpatrick in Miami. In 2018, no one probably would have expected Fitzmagic, the guy, to come out and score 42.3 fantasy points here in week one. But hey, I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's not going to get 40 points here in week one this season. I don't really know what's going on in Miami. I don't really want to try to figure it out. Kenny Stills is now gone, traded to Houston. The Dolphins feel like, to me, a bunch of non-matching Legos, and they're going up against a good Baltimore defense I'm staying clear of the Harvard grad this weekend. Let's jump into some running backs. I'd start this week. I used to play running back. So one of my starts for this week is going to be James Conner, the third-year running back out of Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, uh, we've seen we've seen New England dating back as far as last postseason attempt to run this power style offense uh, with their goal to control the time possession. Sonny Michel was a beast last postseason. I think he's going to have a good season this season as well if they continue to try to do that. I think they want to keep the ball out of Big Ben's hands, and I think the best way we can combat that is try to keep the ball out of Brady's hands. I would expect a heavy dose of James Conner and Jalen Samuels both through the ground and through the air on Sunday. I think if we want a chance, we need to run the ball. We have a full offseason without Bell. And I don't know how you don't like Jalen Samuels and James Conner going into week one here. Fire him up. So now on to running back, I would sit this week, unfortunately. I'm just sitting out here watching airplanes. I'm going to Washington, and I'm pointing at Darius Geis, the second-year running back coming off a torn ACL. I know he got robbed of his rookie season. I know this guy's talented. I've heard it again and again. One of our analysts is going to touch on it later in the show, how much he likes Geis. But personally, this week, going up against a tough Philadelphia defense at the link in Philly, I don't think they're going to hand the ball over 20-plus times to a kid basically who's a rookie, never taking a real snap in the NFL. AP, Adrian Peterson, is healthy. Chris Thompson is healthy. They're going to be fighting for some touches. I would put Darius Geis on the bench start season. On some wide receivers, I'd start here in week one. Let's face it, unless Nick Foles continues his extraordinary magic that he had in Philadelphia, we all know the nickname that came from that, he and the Jaguars will probably be trailing in their opener against Kansas City. But I think that plays in favor of D.D. Westbrook, the amazing wide receiver out of Jacksonville. He's someone who's climbing draft boards at the end of the draft season here, and I think it's a pretty, pretty good idea if you invested in the 30-year wideout, and I think you could start him here because they're going to be trailing. He paced Jacksonville 66 receptions, 
and he's already shown a great connection with Nick Foles in the preseason. I consider Westbrook a mid-tier wide receiver too, or a high-end flex play this week going up against that Kansas City offense that they're going to have to throw to keep up. So, a wide receiver I would sit this week. I'm just sitting out here watching airplanes. I'm going to the G-Men in New York, Sterling Shepard. Typically, you'd think you'd want a team's unquestioned number one wide receiver. But when Eli Manning is that receiver's quarterback, going on a tough road game to Dallas, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I think that after mi- missing so much time this preseason, Shepard might be a little out of sync with Eli, who never really seems too in sync anymore. So I really think that I'm going to stay away from Sterling Shepard this week, going up against a good Dallas defense that ranked six against opposing wide receivers last season, and they've only gotten better. So I'm out on Sterling Shepard this week. Leave him on your bench. He might have some value later in the season but definitely not here in week one. And that's it for Start, Sit, and Seth. We will be right back with the all-ins of the show. Stay with us. I'd also like to thank Crimson Hawk Rentals. Crimson Hawk Rentals has pet-friendly apartments beginning for the fall 2020 semester. Call Crimson Hawk Rentals at 724-465-9040 today to reserve your spot with you and your pooch. And welcome back to the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm joined by fellow fantasy football analyst Tom Kuda from Ocala, Florida. How you doing today, Tom? Oh, beautiful. It's been... uh... It's been a crazy week, but it's all good. I heard your job got shut down for a couple days due to the hurricane. How's the weather treating you down there? It is actually totally fine. Uh, it ended up completely missing us pretty much. The closing down was just a precaution in case, but you know, I'll take a paid day off. No problems here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's kind of been a crazy couple weeks in the NFL as well. But Sean McCoy recently signs with the Chiefs, Jadavion Clowney going to Seattle, Zeke signed today uh, for around $90 million. Andrew Luck's retired, and Melvin Gordon is still in a holdout. How about this, man? Uh, this It's been a weird couple weeks uh, for sure. Andrew Luck, um, I wish him all the best. You know, that's, that's a tough one. I think that was probably the biggest one for me is losing a generational talent at 29 for a position that usually plays up until almost 40. Um, Like, I have all the respect in the world for him, especially deciding to do something that's probably better for, you know, the rest of his life than playing. So a lot of respect for him. Um, A lot of hope that Jacoby Brissett will do great in his stead. Um, They did just sign him to a nice little extension, kind of throw some confidence behind him going into the season. So that's... Yeah, Jacoby! Um, I like Jacoby. I, I think that, uh, you know, they improved so much of that team around him that really all he'd have to do is just be good at game management and he could end up picking him to the playoffs again. So Absolutely, absolutely. I'm all in there. Um, the Jadavian Clowney trade blew my mind because I actually just, um, Chris put out his, uh, who's going to make the playoffs this year, and he left the Seahawks out, which is understandable because they really haven't 
giving you a reason to put him back in the playoffs. And then, you know, three days later after I pick on him for not putting the Seahawks in, they get Jadavian Clowney. And now that whole thing could be a world different having him, you know, shore up that defense and be a leader out there. Because he's kind of in that place where he wanted a change of scenery. And now that he's got it, he might just come out and put in the hustle and really, you know, break the bag of, back of the rest of that <clears throat> offense that he plays against for the season. Yeah, it's it's interesting with Jadavion going to uh, Seattle there. It kind of gives me the Khalil Mack vibe from last season. He goes there. You maybe should just make sure you have rostered the Seattle Seahawks defense because who knows, maybe they'll come out and just be beasts now because they got a better pass rush. I mean, you got Bobby Wagner still there. I, I think it could be an interesting year for Seattle defense. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, if the Seattle defense can step up their game and Russell Wilson doesn't have to be on the field as much because they keep getting trampled, I think that that offense could turn out to be uh, get a little bump just for the fact that they're going to be a little more fresh game to game. And then we got Zeke signing, Melvin, uh, LaShawn McCoy, bunch of RBs on the move too. Yeah, this has been wild. Like now that teams are starting to, I don't want to say it's weird because Zeke signs the the biggest running back contract, period. You yeah. know, like he broke Todd Gurley money. But at the same time, you can see the rest of the league and for the vast majority of teams, the value on running backs is going lower because their careers just don't last as long. So it's it's weird to see that. You know, Zeke get thrown all that money. Of course, I mean, I think it's funny because I don't like Jerry Jones. So anytime he caves, you know, I'm I'm fine with it. <laughs> Especially since I actually took Zeke fell to me. A lot of people were skittish in one of the leagues I play in. He fell to me pretty late for where he should have been drafted, and I scooped him up. So I'm happy that he's going to be playing now. <laughs> it is kind of crazy though. Like Lashawn McCoy is only 31. We think Lashawn McCoy is so old. He's only 31, and then. Tom Brady's out here over 40 just making it look easy every year. I know. Well, and the thing is, like, sure, uh, technically the cliff for running backs usually hits around 30-31, but McCoy has been a pretty elite running back for his career, and elite players usually tend to hang on a year or two longer. I mean, just look at Frank Gore for <laughs> goodness sake, or Adrian Peterson. So it's like McCoy, the two of the last three years, if I'm not mistaken, he was a 1,000-yard rusher mm -hmm. until he got injured. Yeah, so last season was not the year for Shady. There's a lot to be said for the fact that he's going to come back and probably be more than serviceable. Like Kansas City basically stole him, which is unfortunate for Damian Williams and the people who have decided to draft him. <laughs> probably going to split touches I'm, with Shady. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of it. Oh, me too. I drafted Damian Williams as well, but... It's, you know, it's just an odd situation. Melvin Gordon's holdout. His I don't get because, I mean, I don't want to say that Melvin Gordon's not good because he's been, you know, an RB1 for the past few years. But he's not irreplaceable, and I think he's really overvalued himself. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I don't think that's going to go well for him. I mean, I heard the Eagles offered Jordan Howard and some picks. Third, yeah, I think it was a third-round pick or something with Jordan Howard. That was interesting. I mean, I know the Chargers said no, but... You know, there's just that thing of like, you know, when you're, when you actually see what trades are being offered, like I feel like there's got to be some part of Melvin Gordon that's like, mm, maybe I'm, maybe I should just take the money, and play. Yeah, I heard they're like, like they've talked a couple times about like they're not very far apart. Like it's only a couple million apart. It's not like they're like ten million apart. 
couple years apart. Like it's just a couple million. So I think maybe they could get it hashed out still before the season. I'm hoping so. I, like I just like it when you know players, especially the top tier players, you know, get their contracts signed, get back on the field. So I'm yeah. I'm hopeful that he'll get his stuff done. You know, within the next week or two and be back soon. Yeah, kind of tired of talking about contracts, honestly. So. Why don't we jump on into it, Tom? Uh, we're going to be talking about some week one breakouts. Tom has prepared some of the best breakouts for our listeners, and I'll throw a few on it in at the end as well. These are people who, maybe if, in your, if you're not in a crazy deep league, you could probably grab these guys maybe before week one. Or if you have them on your roster and you're, you need a flex play and you're not sure about them, you know, maybe throw these guys in there. Tom, what do you got for us? So, uh, kind of in no particular order, uh, I'll start out with Mike Williams, uh, wide receiver for the LA Chargers. Go Chargers, go! Um, he is pretty much the number two on the team. He gelled a lot with Philip Rivers last year. Now, of course, you know Keenan Allen is out there, and he is certainly going to put put in work and figure to be a major part of that offense. But that being said, Mike Williams has shown that he is definitely ready to take that number two role, and the coaches want him to be a big part of the offense. The most important part for the week one breakout is that they're going to be playing at home against the Colts. Now, I'm not saying the Colts have a bad defense, but their their pass defense is like middling. It's not the best. It's not the worst. Um, and I think, you know, season opener, home game – it's very likely that, you know, Keenan Allen is going to see the double cover. Without Melvin Gordon, they're probably going to have to air it out a little more, um, especially given, you know, last year when we saw Austin Eckler and stuff, sometimes yeah. he, he had a tendency to get bottled up. He could get game planned out pretty easily. So I think they're going to have to use Mike Williams in some creative ways, and we've seen that they can do that when it calls for it. And I just think that if you're if you're in a spot where your flex is kind of teetering on – you know, do I play somebody and do a bad matchup? If you have Mike Williams or if he's out on the waivers and you can scoop him up, pick him up, throw him in your flex this week, I think he's going to do pretty well. I think it will be interesting to see what another year. This is really his second year when you think about health-wise. He didn't really play much his rookie season. So I think it will be interesting now that they see what he's capable of. Good matchup. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people throwing Mike Williams in even the wide receiver two slot in a deeper league so yeah saddle him up let's see next up is i'm gonna go with christian kirk um i know his preseason has been kind of up and down he had some quiet games but honestly i think we've seen enough in the history of the nfl that preseason isn't really a good indicator of any kind of in-season play more often than not um now the matchup and this is kind of again kind of the reason i'm i'm saying so Technically, uh, Larry Fitzgerald is still listed as the number one wide receiver. And they're playing at home against Detroit. So Darius Slay is probably going to be shadowing, you know, Larry Fitzgerald for most of the game. So assuming that Larry, you know, is a little bit older, lost a step, Darius Slay is probably going to be able to do his job and shut him down most of that game. I think that given that, with Christian Kirk lining up on the other side of him, and, you know, playing that role as the number two in that offense, I think Kyler Murray and him are going to find a lot of connection once the actual season play starts. 
Um, I I was pretty high on Christian Kirk last year too, but obviously you know that offense is just a mess, and I, I just think that now that they're kind of getting themselves a little bit of a rhythm, he could be a flexible player for this week um, against that offense because I mean again it's not once you're out of the way of Darius Slay and you can just run routes and have plays called in your favor, like if they can kind of game plan Christian Kirk in a little more in creative ways, I think that he could end up having a more than serviceable week. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I'm excited to see what Kyler Murray and the Cardinals can do, but I'm also excited to see if Christian Kirk, just to the eye, can even separate himself from these guys like Andy Isabella, Keyshawn Johnson. Uh, If he can't, I'm just going to throw it out there. Keep an eye out for Keyshawn Johnson. That's a really deep stash, maybe a dynasty stash. I got him in one of our leagues, so I'm pretty happy about that. But, yeah, I think Christian Kirk, I think to what I've seen thus far from his career, I think he's going to separate himself from those young guys. So definitely a good one there as well. So next up on the list, um, I'm going to switch over to get some running backs in here and you know try to keep this more even. Um, we have Matt Breida who just today was listed ahead of Coleman on the depth chart. Now, of course, it's Kyle Shanahan, so that means next to nothing, but it's still <laughs> positive nonetheless. Um, now, they're playing Tampa Bay, and that's the, the key thing there. Um, the Tampa Bay defense has shown to be susceptible to just about anything. Like, their defense overall is, is in the bottom half. But they've shown specifically susceptible to, you know, uh, when you know Kyle Shanahan can get creative and get the running back out in the open field in the flat and get passes thrown his way. Matt Breida has shown talented in that area specifically. I think that if nothing else, regardless of what their you know back and forth turns out over the season, uh, Matt Breida is a bit of an injury concern. But I think in this week one matchup, there is a high likelihood that Matt Breida ends up getting game-planned into a lot of third-down scenarios. I think he's going to have plenty of opportunity to put up some some good yardage, get more than a few rushing attempts. Um, I think he'll end up having a pretty a pretty great week for himself. Do you like him better than Tevin Coleman in Week 1 here, Tom? In Week 1, I like him over Tevin Coleman, yes. I think over the season, if Tevin Coleman can stick to his run, like if, if Tevin Coleman can go out there and be consistent, I think he will end up taking over Matt Breida. But for right now, in this Week 1 breakout talk, I definitely like Matt Breida more than I like Tevin Coleman. What about what about our boys Jeff Wilson Jr. and Colonel Mustard hold, <laughs> holding down the bench over there? I they could definitely be those are I think you know a little bit deeper stashes like if you're in a deep league and you're worried about you know if Matt Breed ends up getting injured go scoop one of them up but I think for now Coleman and Breida will have it pretty well locked up I think there's still enough targets in that offense that they're you know Kyle Shanahan's not as long as Coleman and Breida both play well I don't think he's going to have any reason to bring anybody off the bench so yeah it was a pretty it was a pretty fun year just watching the San Francisco backfield other than the injuries because it seemed like every week someone new was popping up. Oh, this guy's a top 15 back. Oh, this guy's a top 15 back. So it will definitely be interesting, though, now that we think there will be a pretty balanced workload between the the more agile, better pass catcher Breida and the more you know run-centric, sweep kind of guy in Tevin Coleman. Yeah. Next up, and of course, this is one that, I mean, I think, you know, given the, we played Dynasty, this is somebody who, you know, we've been 
hearing about for months now. And uh, David Montgomery, a new rookie running back for the Chicago Bears. Um, I don't think it's a surprise to anybody that you should probably be playing him in week one. Now, of course, depending on where you drafted him, that's why I put this on here because this is, you know, mostly a redraft PPR league. So he may not have been on the radars of people who don't pay attention the entire offseason and to the draft and everything. So if he's not, he should be on your radar. I think that in this matchup specifically against Green Bay, I just I don't see a, uh, I see a world where they're going to try to get him the spotlight. You know, I think that, you know, Matt Nagy is going to game plan him in. I think that he's going to want to get him out to a strong start, given that he wants him to be his top dog running back. He's going to want to build up his confidence. And Green Bay, you know, it's a home game. It provides a great opportunity for them to, you know, let Montgomery really show the Chicago fans that he is going to be a force for them. Um, against one of their rivals so I just see a lot of green lights in this week one matchup that tell me Montgomery is probably going to outperform his projections yeah I think it's kind of interesting here I'm really nervous to see what happens uh, with Tariq Cohen and his role moving forward because let's face it Montgomery's kind of a different cat than Jordan Howard was last season but in the same aspect of that you can definitely see Montgomery you coming out and them trying to feature him hard. I mean, I remember last last year alone in Week One against Green Bay, um, Jordan Howard had five receptions. I don't think Jordan Howard has ever had five receptions in a game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I think that I mean, Tariq Cohen's a proven commodity. The man is a, a freak of nature, and he is sure to be worked into all sorts of creative. And I mean, uh, through the whole preseason and the off season and training camps and stuff, you see him worked out into the slot and just doing tons of you know a little bit of uh, you know Swiss Army knife kind of roles in the offense. But David Montgomery comps a lot to me of like a Le'Veon Bell type, like. He's not quite as fast as Le'Veon Bell, for sure. You know, he's not a freak of nature as an athlete. Right. But his patience and timing and knowing when lanes are going to open up, like, he just has that sixth sense that some running backs lack that give him a lot more longevity because he doesn't take as hard hits because he has the vision to see, I can take this hole, make this guy miss. He just creates space where it isn't always. So he more than makes up for what he lacks in breakaway speed and agility in his intelligence in his intangibles as like a skilled position player and i think that they will want to feature that a lot coming out of the gate for him so you know i'm not saying that Tariq Cohen's going to take a big bump the whole season but i think especially in just this one game they're really going to push montgomery i heard you got a couple more as well tom for us maybe a couple rapid fire ones here as we close this out Yep, I got two more real quick ones. We won't spend a lot of time. They're kind of double dips from last week's, um, you know, deep uh, sleepers. So um, we'll touch on Mark Andrews again real quick, the tight end out of Baltimore. Um, The pro football focus gave him, it's a passer rating when targeted um, among tight ends with more than 35 targets in 2018. And Mark Andrews ranked at the top of that list with 129.9, which, again, just, you know, for name recognition, puts him above Travis Kelsey, but a 118. So Mark Andrews does a very good job of making his quarterback look good. He knows how to run his routes, how to create separation. 
I'm not saying that people have been sleeping on him because he's on everybody's list for breakout candidates. It's just one of those times where the opportunity and the skill are lining up so well that you just shouldn't ignore it. Like if you're the one person in your league, you know, if you're playing an office league and, you know, somebody just hasn't caught on to Mark Andrews yet, pick him up, get him on your bench. And I mean, if you are still drafting, um, you can definitely sleep on tight ends and take Mark Andrews later yes. on, still find yourself being totally okay and showing yourself up at another skill position. So it's been so funny because, you know, every article I'm reading, anything you listen, watch right now is hyping this guy up, you know, saying he could be a breakout candidate easily. And he's still going not till the 15th round. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's that's what's just crazy. I think some people just, for some reason, these second-year tight ends, they're, they're always just slept on by, I feel like they're the ones who are more productive than these rookies, typically. Yeah, absolutely. And I couldn't agree more that people just continue to sleep on him, so scoop him up while he's out there. That wraps up my list, my rapid fires. Did you have anything you wanted, anybody you wanted to throw in for your week one? Yeah, I'm going to throw a couple out there real quick for you. Hit me with them. All right, so I want to start in Pittsburgh. Uh, We're going to go with Jalen Samuels. He's the second year back, uh, plays a little bit of everything, kind of like that Tariq Cohen type role. Um, I know James Conner is going to be the guy. I told you in my start since Seth column earlier in the podcast on the pen.org as always that James Conner is going to be a guy I want to start this week. I think he has a big game in New England. We've seen New England run this power style offense these last couple last couple months here. We've seen it in the preseason, we've seen it in the Super Bowl. We saw it going all the way back to the playoffs. Sony Michelle was a house and they're just getting these big wide receivers. They got Josh Gordon they signed Demarius Thomas. Nikhil Harry, that's kind of what his thing is. He's a big, lengthy guy. And, like, they're going to ha- just have some mean thugs on the ground. So I think that's where, what Steelers are going to have to do to win this game. I think they're going to have to get dirty. I think James Conner and Jalen Samuels have to have a big game for them to win this. Last year, when Jalen Samuels played instead of James Conner against the Pats, 19 carries, 142 yards, two receptions for 30 yards. He had his best game as a Steeler by far. I don't think that ends there. I'm all in on Jalen Samuels. I definitely think that's a good pick. Uh, I mean, definitely playing into an away game at New England, who have proven to be you know quite a bane of against the Steelers this season. You know, every year pretty much. Unfortunately, um, I think that Jalen Samuels will be a big benefactor of game planning. Um, you know, because it's, it's going to be kind of the thing of the New England Patriots are really good with that bend-don't-break defense. Um, you know, they're playing, like you said, they're playing, they've been kind of changing it up a little, playing powerball on offense, really trying to run the game clock down on you. And I think that, you know, like you said, last year Jalen Samuels seemed to have dialed in a number for the New England Patriots. And if they can get creative with how they use Jalen Samuels, I could definitely see him outdoing his, you know, week one projected points and being a more than serviceable flex option. Yeah, when I was down at the training camp, when it, it seemed like whenever they got in the goal line, uh, whenever they were actually in, in the red zone as well, James Conner would remain in the backfield, but Jalen Samuels would come into the game. He'd play in the slot. He'd even sometimes line up just right right next to the line there as a tight end almost even. Sometimes they'd have them both in the backfield. It was really interesting to see the different kind of things they're doing. You're not really used to that in Pittsburgh. 
but I think Jalen Samuels is just that special of a guy. They're going to have to find a way to use him, similar to Tariq Cohen in that gang. Yeah, I mean, then that's that's honestly a great that's a great comparison too. That he's just a multi-use person, and it'd be a shame to not game plan him in in that way. Absolutely, that's kind of a sneaky person. I feel like the Steelers could win the game with another sneaky person that I think you could win your week with. I mean, if you drafted this guy. Again, we're talking redraft most likely. So if you drafted Chris Godwin, you're probably playing him. He's probably your wide receiver too. Maybe a flex if you're lucky. And I think this guy's going to be a stud, and I think he's going to break out this week. Uh, he's going against San Francisco, which, again, we kind of talked about a little bit earlier. We don't see this game as necessarily a defensive battle by any means. Yeah, absolutely. Uh I mean, I just, I don't see that. I see this definitely being a time for the offenses to go out and do a little bit of a shootout here. <laughs> yeah, we, and, and the thing about the Bucks that worries us, that worries most people is, can Jameis Winston stay upright? Because this line has been bad for a couple years now, has not gotten any better this offseason. They might have one of the worst lines in the league, honestly. And now they're going up against a defense that doesn't really have any true pass rushers. It's not how it used to be you know, five, ten years ago when they had a Super Bowl appearance. It, it's not that, and I just think they're going to get it. They're going to sling it out. I think also Jameis Winston and Chris Godwin, even to some extent, have something to prove. I think Jameis Winston wants to kind of doubt those haters. You know, they took him first overall a couple of years ago, so it'll be interesting to see if him and Chris Godwin can come out and have a big night, but I think it will be. Yeah, and especially, you know, when they're going up against, again, Chris Godwin's playing out of the slot, and it's just, there's a lot to be said for how the slot can be used if it's game planned in well. And I, I agree. I think Chris Godwin could put up impressive numbers. I mean, you know, Mike Evans is the perennial one there. Him and uh, Jameis get along really well. But Jameis and Chris Godwin have also been getting along incredibly well through this preseason. And, you know, I, I see a world where, you know, both of them get to eat plenty. And he could definitely end up, like you said, I mean, if you drafted him, He's probably already a wide receiver too, but you know if you're—I I guess this is just kind of one of those. If you're questioning, you're on the fence, just throw him in. He should score pretty well. We're gonna be right back after a quick intermission. We're gonna talk about Tom's all-in picks since that's what this show is all about. Pop up with again. We gonna put her all in. All in. Yeah. Stay with us. And finally, I'd like to give a big shout out to Cook Chiropractic. If you're looking to end your pain and begin the life you deserve living, then call Cook Chiropractic today. Only steps away from campus. That's Cook Chiropractic in Indiana, PA. And we're back. We're going to talk about all-ins for the rest of this episode. So Tom's going to give us his all-ins. Tom, take it away, my friend. So we got two for you. Two uh, Now I just want to qualify like what I was doing when I was picking all-ins. These are people who maybe are, I'm talking full scope of the season. By the time this season is over, they will have vastly overperformed on their ADP. You know, they're going to be potential league winners. So that's kind of what along the lines I was thinking. Um, I have two people for you, and I will start with um, one of my personal favorites. 
uh, Kenny Galladay, the wide receiver for the Detroit Lions. Now, this, of course, is definitely a controversial all-in, but that's kind of where I'm thinking is you're talking redraft leagues. He is going uh, mid to late fourth round, sometimes even dropping all the way to mid fifth, which is ridiculous for the number one wide receiver on Matt Stafford's offense. Now, you can say anything you want to about what you think Matt Patricia is going to do with uh, on Johnson. Now, I think that teams, opposing teams, are going to game plan more for on Johnson to try to keep him bottled up. Um, but if you look at, like, let's just look at last year, um, Detroit threw the ball 60.3% of their plays. That is a lot. And that is with Matt Patricia as the head coach, with on Johnson technically being a breakout player for the second half of the year. So, I mean, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's just one of those, like, Matt Patricia is Andy Reid and just doesn't trust his running backs to do anything, but he passes the ball still a lot. Matt Stafford is a great quarterback who's just been in a crappy position as far as offensive line protection has gone and not having a good running back to keep the threat, you know, on the ground equaled out. So I think that Kenny Galladay has the opportunity to really eat up targets. And and people will say also, you know, what about Marvin Jones? What about, you know, the tight ends that they got a hold of? Um, and you just kind of look around the team and you think to yourself, you know, he's not sitting out there on an island for targets. Um, you know, Marvin Jones is nothing to joke at. I mean, the, the guy is a great wide receiver. He can definitely scoop up a lot of touchdowns from Kenny Galladay. But there's just – I think that the upside is there for him to – we've seen him be – I mean, he goes to the Bills. And what is it, Trinavion Wright, I think is his name. It's shut down corner for the Bills, goes – into Buffalo and puts up 140 yards against them. Like, he has shown that he is not somebody just to play on a good week. He's somebody you can trust on a bad week as well. I just, I don't see a way where another full year with Matt Stafford, a full offseason where he is the number one guy on the team, and that's how they're practicing, that's how they're game planning. I just don't see a world where he goes under 90 receptions this year or under... 1200 yards yeah you kind of have me convinced honestly that he might be a breakout candidate now a couple things i want to touch on real quick uh did not see that andy reed matt patricia comp coming that was interesting uh (laughs) he did vastly underuse uh (laughs) johnson last year which is just a shame yeah i but it definitely definitely fits the bill a little bit it's just when i'm thinking of good coaches and I think of Andy Reid. I don't really think of Matt Patricia too much. That was just a little funny. And then uh, no, it's just specifically in that one, <laughs> ignoring your running backs regard. Everything else, they're worlds apart. <laughs> uh, the other thing that you said that I think is, I think you're right is Marvin Jones is no joke. I mean, for whatever reason, and I think it's just because it's you know it's been Marvin Jones. He's had one top twelve season. Then other than that, he's been a top thirty receiver for you know, last four or five years, but I think you're right. He's a good guy, and I think the fans like him. I think they're going to get him involved in Detroit. They're not going to forget him, forget about him. I think as long as he's healthy, that is one of the things that scares me a little bit about Kenny G, but 
totally get what you're saying, and I guess we'll see how it plays out. It's a great all-in. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I'm hoping it goes well. I've I've certainly put my draft stock and capital into him this year, getting ready to see you know the payoff for him being really good at his position and and going out there and crushing it this year. Um, so I guess we'll head on to the second one because I definitely don't want to beat a dead horse here and try to oversell you on Kenny G. But I just think he's one of those people, especially at the position you can draft him at right now, like you're going to get a good return on your investment. Um, and then next up is one of my, you know, personal favorites. He was, you know, one of the top running backs off my board in our dynasty, you know, uh, set up draft last year. It's Darius Geis running back for the Washington Redskins. And, you know, I know you're saying, you know, he just tore his ACL. We haven't even seen him play a regular season game yet. But if you go back and, I mean, before I drafted him last year, I watched every every single snap he took in college. I watched it. I have seen, you know, his ups, his downs, and everything in between. And I am fully sold that Darius Geis is going to be the next – Marshawn Lynch like he is going to be out there eating up yards he is a hard charge of running back as a human like as a person he is hungry he wants to win games he wants to go out there and like be the face of that team from start to finish now if you look at his numbers back while he was at LSU I mean over the course of his career he averaged 6.5 yards per rush you know he went for 3,000 yards over the course of 36 games. I mean, he's even shown some prowess in the passing game as time went on, where he can show that he can do the full three-down back roll. Washington's rushing attempts, they ran the ball 42.8% of their plays last year with a totally banged-up running back core led by Adrian Peterson, which averages out to about 26 rushing attempts per game. Now, you figure, right from the word go, Chris Thompson is a third-down back. He pretty much just handles passing downs, and he might even get some of those eaten away by Geis. Adrian Peterson is not going to be able to handle 26 you know, touches per game. So right out of the gate, if if Jay Gruden, who has shown a propensity to want to run the ball, he has been waiting for years to get his hands on a running back that he can just give the ball to, you know, 15, 16 times a game and just let them run down the other team's throat. Like some AJP Ryan. He well he's he has thrown away so many opportunities <laughs> and fumbles and just poor performance. No, I'm just I kidding. Mean, I'm, I'm not all in. Ryan. <laughs> no, I mean, he's not bad. It's just one of those Jay Gruden's, like, he's so disappointed and dejected at this point. But he wants to run the ball. He wants Washington to have a good run game. He's going to give Darius Geis to work right out of the gate. Now, week one, they're going, I'm pretty sure they're in Philly. Lincoln Financial, I, baby. Yeah, they're going to be in Philadelphia. I'm not saying go put Darius Geis. He's sitting on my bench in week one because I'm not going to put him into that meat grinder. But <laughs> once he gets his legs under him, gets some regular season experience into him, and he's pumping out, you know, 15, 20 touches a game, I just – I'm very, very confident that he's going to be, you know, above, you know, five and a half yards a carry. I think he's going to possibly even break out a thousand-yard season. I just don't I don't think that it's going to be an equal timeshare between him and Adrian Peterson. I think that he's going to more than take over the full-time spot there before like week 2 or 3. 
definitely am feeling everything you're saying, but I I still like you said week one I'm not playing him. We already kind of touched on that earlier why I'm not playing him, but it'll be really interesting. People the one thing they bring up about AP and you know this workload here and how it's going to split down to is they're paying Adrian Peterson four million a year. Why would he not play for four million dollars a year? But I almost think Adrian Peterson's kind of like a locker room guy at this point more than anything. Yeah, he's a great locker room guy. And, I mean, you're right, $4 million a year, you want to have him out there. But, I mean, for all we know, that means – I don't know I don't know what that means to Jay Gruden right now. That could mean, you know, if they're ahead in a game, they just let Darius Geis rest and put AP in while he's fresh and just close the game out. Like, I could see that happening. I don't know how many games I see them ahead, honestly. I don't <laughs> I'd like – you know, and Darius Geis, there is, you know, that's a valid concern, too, is that if Washington spends the whole year playing from behind, Darius Geis might not get that much, you know, rushing game usage, you know, on a per-game basis. I really just am very confident in Darius Geis' ability to go out there and just tear up the field. Um, I just think he's going to do a lot better um, than people are thinking. I think he's going to perform really, really well. I mean, we've seen over the last few years, too, ACL injuries are not career-enders like they used to be. I mean, he's on the team with the poster boy for ACL injuries not being career-enders. So he's been, you know, rehabbing with one of the people who's made the best bounce back from an ACL injury in NFL history. So, you know, I'm pretty sure that that having the two of them together is a really good you know, they both have a similar running style. Like, they're both hard-charging, you know, north-south runners. And I I just think that Darius Geis is going to end up having learned a lot and be really ready to go. Uh, you heard it here first, folks. Tom's all-ins for the 2019 fantasy football regular season is Ole, Ole. Darius Geis and Kenny Galladay. Tom, I'm going to hold you to this. I promise you we will check back in with your all-ins throughout the season Next year, I'll probably even bring them up as well as I'm going to do to Chris on our next segment as well. <laughs> so, uh, hopefully, you did better than his his pick on Josh Gordon last year. So, hopefully. <laughs> so, hey, well, thanks for so much for joining us, Tom. Uh, we will be right back in betweeners with Chris Cummings, former bottom line fantasy host. He's going to be joining us, giving his all in. Always interesting. So. Stick around. Tom, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on again. Yep, take care. You too. And we're back on the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. We're talking all-ins today. I got my good friend here, former Bottom Line Fantasy co-host, Chris Cummings. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm great, Seth. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. Uh, we brought Chris in, as always, because he's kind of our guy to whenever we need some hot takes, a little bit of fun in the show, a little bit of energy, we're bringing, we're bringing in Chris this year. So how do you feel about that, Chris? I am honored. Just completely and utterly filled with joy to be here. Awesome. You excited <laughs> for the season, Chris? It's kind of been a crazy couple weeks here in the fantasy realm. <laughs> I, I yeah, the draft is literally my favorite day of the year. So <laughs> it's when you still have hope, huh? 
Yeah, you better watch your mouth with your team. <laughs> All right. So uh, for those of you who don't know, Chris joined us last year on Bottom Line Fantasy. Chris actually last year, his all-ins were Josh Gordon and DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, we know one of those two worked out in your favor. Uh, so any any last thoughts on those all-ins from last season? Maybe where you went wrong, where you went right? Uh, what you've learned from last season to this season, Chris? I learned that DeAndre Hopkins was an underestimate. He was a legit beast. And Josh Gordon was overhyped. And so maybe don't buy into the hype this year on random players. (laughs) (laughs) You were so into Josh Gordon, man. You had him like ranked like seven in your rankings last year, I remember. That sounds about right, honestly. Yeah, we're going to forget about last season. New season. Flashing back to my all-in picks as well, Juju Smith-Schuster and Adam Thielen, both top 10 wide receivers on the season. Sick brag. You know, I got to make myself look good every once in a while. Make sure the listeners know why they're listening. Little flex on your own podcast there. That's nice. Oh, yeah. That's how we do things here. So, uh, to give you a quick recap, Chris, I just got done with Tom. He gave us his all-ins for the season. His two all-ins are Darius Geis and Kenny Galladay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about either of those, honestly. Geis is going to be splitting carries here to start. And, I mean, he's going to be the guy for a little bit, but he just he's coming off an injury. And it's risky, and there's a lot of mouths in the backfield. So, yeah, it was got, I, don't know. I definitely kind of brought up the same thing. I said, you know, you know, maybe long term down the road, I like him, but starting out here, I would definitely have him on the bench week one. Yeah, and Galladay, he was getting more uh, receptions and targets at the end of last season, but to start the season, he was he was like a three catch machine, and he would just make plays. But I don't know, maybe this year the Lions' offense will be a little bit better. Maybe get him the rock. That's kind of that's kind of what Tom implied as well. He kind of threw out a. Uh, it was funny. Throughout a Matt Patricia Andy Reid comp, I thought that was kind of funny. Just like yeah. how they how they don't really use their running backs a, a lot, and they just like to pass the ball. Yeah, yeah, sounds about right. So uh, yeah, let's get to it, Chris. Who is your first All In of the 2019 fantasy football season? My first All In is going to be Nick Chubb. And, uh, yeah, man, I don't know. I like him. And he's going to be the bell cow in Cleveland at least until Kareem Hunt gets back. So maybe this is like a eight-week all-in, <laughs> and then we'll see after eight weeks. <laughs> he's uh, Last season he averaged 5.2 yards per carry and 2.41 after contact. Man, he, he was a beast, and he was – once he started getting the rock, man, he was he was getting lots of points a game. So that's my first all in, I think. He's definitely been climbing in draft boards so high that I know I've heard in some Yahoo leagues Nick Chubb's going in the top five picks. So definitely yeah. an interesting thing with Chubb. I don't think you can go wrong with Nick Chubb, especially after what we saw from him at Georgia last season with the Browns. Now he has an improved O line. He's got more weapons on the outside with OBJ, uh, another year under Jarvis Landry and David Njoku's belt. So I think I think it's definitely going to be like they can't stack the box against him. I think that's one of the 
best things he has going for him, and I think he's a better pass catcher than people let on as well. Yeah, he wasn't really catching a lot, but I read a couple articles that said that he's he's going to get involved in the passing game, so we can be optimistic about that. He definitely had a couple nice catches last season that you know looked like a running back who could obviously catch the ball would have to make those catches. It's not like Jordan Howard is out there yeah. <laughs> making those catches. Yeah. All right, so my first all-in of the 2019 fantasy football season is going to be James Conner. Yeah, that's fair. He's going to be the bell cow there too. In betweeners, I know you're sticking around and you're you're probably a little upset. I already kind of gave my sold myself on James Conner earlier in the show, but that was for week one. But we're talking season long here. I don't know how you don't like James Conner this season. He had in just 13 games last season, he was RB six. You throw a couple more of those games back in with him, he could easily have been a top five running back, maybe even better. And the thing is now you have more than 170 receptions gone because of Jesse James. AB is gone. And I think Ben's going to stick with what he knows. I think he knows now that they kind of – I touched on it earlier a little bit as well. They're, they're playing against these teams, and they need to keep the ball away from them. I felt like last season it was just – they are kind of just gunning it out the whole time, throwing because it wasn't a whole off season of James Conner kind of learning the system – they have Jalen Samuels there, but I think that just kind of adds more to James Conner's diversity. He doesn't have to be. I, I don't need him to get 30 carries week one this season. If he gets 20, I think that's fine. I I don't think there's any way that James Conner is not worth a top 15 draft pick, which he's sliding in some drafts right now. So I'm definitely all in on James Conner. This guy is, is, last note here, he is a little bit better of a pass catcher than people think as well. 55 receptions in in 13 games last season. If he even just does 65, I mean, that's huge right there. Well, it will be a a beast, I guarantee it. Do Do you think he pays off, like, you know, an end of the first round, early second round draft capital, Chris, over someone like the Joe Mixons, the Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubbs of the world, even? I would. I don't know if I'd take him over Nick Chubb, honestly. Um, I got Nick Chubb at 15, so I did get him behind you, but I, I think it's going to be close. And over Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon has a terrible team. Dalvin Cook, uh, injury history so yeah i mean the end of the first or the end of the first or the beginning of the second is a good place to get him you probably won't get him at the end of the first or end of the second i mean it'll be too late yeah i i could definitely though just see james connor step stepping up into that Le'Veon bell type role though kind of almost being a renaissance of all and get Jalen samuels in the backfield a little bit maybe split connor out wide catch some passes i think it'll be really interesting to see and I really don't think that the whole point of this in between is kind of not to pick someone who, you know, we're not picking, we're not out here this season picking DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Christian McCaffrey, (laughs) Ezekiel Elliott's of the season. We're trying to pick these people who, I try to at least pick people who I think you can get as a value, and then next season you're not going to get them at that same cheaper price. So, I think Nick Chubb and I think James Conner both next season have a potential to be a top 10 pick. Definitely. Who else you got for us, Chris? My 
second, all in, is going to be Aaron Jones. He's just a beast last year. Um, he only had 133 attempts, not a lot of carries, change of coaching staff, little upgrades to the team. And I think, man, they, I hope that they give him the rock because he's going to be good. I think he'll be really good if he gets the rock, but that's the big if. We've seen the talent for two years in a row now, and I think it's just a matter of is Matt LaFleur going to make the same mistakes Mike McCarthy made, or is he going to turn things around a little bit? We've seen Aaron Rodgers' support of Aaron Jones in the past. We know Rodgers and LaFleur already have reports of a good relationship, so I think that's definitely a good sign for him, but like you said, man, I mean, he only had 133 carries last season and had 728 yards. That is crazy. Imagine if he got 250 carries. He could, yeah. he could easily have over 1,200 yards. I mean, this guy can kind of do it all, really. I mean, again, he's kind of a little bit better receiver than I think people give credit for as well. He definitely had some games where he had well over three, four receptions. And I think if... It's all going to be how Matt LaFleur and his system uses him. If you think he's going to use him because there's not much left in Jamal Williams, if there ever was anything, then I would say yeah. But So I obviously, Chris, you are trusting Matt LaFleur and that system this season then? I am trusting the system. I think it'll work. All right, you hear, heard it here first from Chris Cummings. His all-ins for the 2019 fantasy football season are... Nick Chubb and Aaron Jones. For my final all-in of the season, I would like to go back to one of those shitty teams you mentioned earlier, Chris. I find myself in Cincinnati with the Bengals. (laughs) Really? And his name is Tyler Boyd. Okay, that's better. So, Tyler Boyd is currently being drafted somewhere around the ADP of wide receiver 24 to 29. He slid to me in the fifth round in our keg competitive league there, and I was so excited to get him. And he was wide receiver 17 on season last year, and that was in a Marvin Lewis-led team. I don't think Zach Taylor at all can come in and do anything worse than Marvin Lewis did for the last eight years. I mean, let's be honest here. He's coming from the Sean McVay coaching tree, and while that doesn't always mean he's going to be a good coach. He's going to mix things up. I think he sees Tyler Boyd as an asset, as they obviously do in Cincinnati. They just paid him $44 million this offseason. A.J. Green's getting phased out. I think this is a pass-the-torch type season. He had seven TDs last season. He had two the year before. He's averaging one TD for every 11 receptions. I think he can at least grab, I'm going to say, close to 100 balls this season. I think that puts him somewhere around 9 or 10 touchdowns. I think that's good enough for a top 15 season for a guy who's going at wide receiver 25. I am all in on Tyler Boyd being a bright spot for a bad Bengals team this season. Really? And you you know how I am as well. I'm normally a guy who buys teams more than players. I like players who are on good teams. That's something I always preach. That's something I continue to preach, but I don't think the Bengals will be any worse than they were last season, but I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, and I think Tyler Boyd will be that bright spot for him. 
That might as well be considered a hot take because that's pretty crazy to think that a hundred. You think he'll get a hundred receptions this year? It, it, he's not that far off, man. He's not that far off. I'm telling you, this guy can straight up ball. And I mean, we've seen players like him in the past. It's not unusual. I mean, just going back last season, Robert Woods, who we all thought had a decent season, had 86 receptions. 100 receptions, I know it seems like a huge mark, but I think for a guy, people, this other thing, people think Tyler Boyd's been around for a while. He's had two seasons in the league. He popped in year two. I think he explodes in year three, and I think he's just such a value there. You can't, you can't not like him. And I know people, the one argument, again, people are going to make is, he was not very good when A.J. Green was off the field last season. But he had Jeff Driscoll under center for a majority of those games. So, All right, I'll buy into the hype. Normally, I bring you in because you can give me a little backlash. You can you know, maybe yeah. not get, buy into the hype as much, Chris, but I think I might got you with Tyler Boyd here. Uh, I, was, I was a Tyler Boyd owner last year, and I'd, I honestly... I don't think I'll buy into it, Seth. I'm sorry. I apologize. But uh, it's just, it's still a team that's just not, it's trying to come back up from dust. It's like the Browns two years ago. I don't know if it's their year yet. That's all I'm thinking. That's that's a fair point. Uh, so you heard it here first, folks. I am going with the two Pittsburgh University alums, James Conner and Tyler Boyd, as my all-ins. All in. All in. We will be right back with the final segment of the show. We're going to get between the numbers here on the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. Stay with us. And we're back on the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm joined by my buddy Chris Cummings. We're going to jump in between the numbers. Chris so there's been a lot of movement in that Kansas City backfield as of late Damian Williams was the guy all offseason last couple weeks people were hyping up this Darwin Thompson rookie kid and now who else but Shady McCoy joins the fold there so who who you taking here in week one which Chiefs running back will score the most PPR points this week Chris in week one I'm going against Jacksonville I'm going Damian Williams for week one. There, uh, Shady just got at it. He can't. There's no way he's going to have a huge impact on the game. I can't. I would be surprised if he did. And Darwin Thompson, the, what I was reading about it was that he he had proven himself, but Damian Williams was still the guy. So definitely give me Damian Williams week one. But I don't know how much longer after that. Yeah, that's kind of the thing here with Williams. Um, we've seen it in the years past for the Chiefs that an RB normally can take off in week one. So it'll be really exciting if Williams can do that. But we don't really know any. All I know, though, is a good Chiefs team against a not so great Jacksonville team as far as last season standings are concerned. I like Damian Williams chances at least getting in the end zone once, maybe catching a couple passes. I mean, that's better than most running backs you have on the board to be honest definitely definitely so next question here for you which rams wide receiver 
will pace the team in receptions in week one. We have Brandon Cooks returning in his second year with the team, coming off a great first season. Robert Woods in his third year now with the Rams, comes off another stellar uh, year as well, almost 90 receptions on the season. And we have Cooper Cup coming back from an ACL injury. And let's face it, Chris, this Rams team was not the same without Cooper Cup last season. That's why I'm going with Cooper Cup. And plus, you know, he was my favorite Rams receiver. But I think that, I don't know, I think Jared Goff will check it down a little bit. Cooper Cup's in the slot, so he'll get a lot of check downs. And it's between him and Robert Woods. Robert Woods could could do it, but I'm going to go with Cooper Cup. Yeah, I'm... I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. My pick would be Robert Woods here just because I feel like he's that security blanket for Goff a little bit. And we know he's going to be on the most likely going to be against the Panthers' number one corner, but that really doesn't scare me here. And I don't really know how the Rams' RB mix is going to unfold, especially here in week one. I don't think they're going to want to wear out Gurley or even you know get too much in Henderson, so it it'll be interesting, I think for sure. Yeah, I think yeah, it'll be fun to watch. So uh, another person that's been hyped up this uh, off season so far is Baker Mayfield, Cleveland Browns quarterback, former number one pick. Here he is projected at sixteen point six fantasy points. What do you think, Chris? Over under for Baker Mayfield Week One against a uh, a pretty decent Tennessee Titans defense, most would say. Yeah, um, let me think. 16 points, uh, yeah, I think he can do it. I think I think Baker Mayfield could definitely do that much. Yeah, I I don't think you can, ex- I don't think Baker's going, going to go off at, by any means this week, but I think 16.6 is a pretty low number for a quarterback who you probably drafted in the top five or ten. Yeah. So... No, that that would be an easy mark to pass almost. He would, the Titans' defense is it's all right, but I think that he'll be able to work it pretty well. They have tons of weapons on that team now. He should have. All he really needs is 225 yards, two TDs, and he he has that 17 points right there. So I'm all in on Baker Mayfield overdoing his projection this week. Nice. All right, so this one comes out from a friend of the show, Chris Udovich, a.k.a. Udo. He asked, should I play Devin Singletary at the Jets this week or Curtis Samuel against the Rams? Chris, what do you do with this one? Oh, man. Um, it's a tester. Give me Singletary against the Jets. I think that'll be a good one. I it, He doesn't have <sighs> to take any carries i mean who else is gonna run the ball there frank gore is listed as the starter on the official depth charts today we don't want to read too much into that because those depth charts don't really mean a whole lot frank honestly. gore is a hundred years old there's no way that he's gonna carry the rock the whole game we know the jets have added some nice defensive pieces over this over the off season so it i'll be curious to watch that but for me it's kind of a wait and see for Devin singletary I told you to, I said, hey, man, do what you want to do. But personally, I'd probably start Curtis Samuel, unfortunately. I think game script, most likely the Panthers might be from behind or in a close contest. I think Cam might have to air it out a little bit. And I think that plays favorable to Curtis Samuel 
DJ Moore, Greg Olson, and the gang. So I'm going with Curtis Samuel here, but I definitely see the appeal of maybe a breakout week for Devin Singletary. Yeah, that's, I think that he'll have a good week. Uh, I'm excited to watch it. Okay, so last question here for you, Chris, and we'll get you out of here. Will any rookie running back score more than 20 PPR points in their debut uh, let's start in Oakland here. We have Josh Jacobs, a lot of hype around this first year back. We go to Chicago, David Montgomery. He's kind of a jack of all trades. And then you're going to Buffalo, Devin Singletary. Then in Philadelphia, it's Miles Sanders, maybe a backfield of committee. We don't really kind of know what's going on back there. But Chris, do you see any of these rookie running backs eclipsing that 20 mark? I think I'm going to go with uh, David Montgomery for the Bears. What do you think? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably honestly have to agree with you. Tom and I actually kind of touched on it earlier. He was one of Tom's week one breakout candidates here. And yeah, I agree. I think that the Bears, they kind of want to feature someone new. They Last season, we, came, we saw Jordan Howard come out in week one, have five receptions. He had more targets, I think, in that game than his whole career. Yeah. <laughs> so I think they're going to do this, a similar thing with Montgomery here on Thursday night they're going up against a Packers D it is improved it's looking a lot better uh and I think they're going to need to keep the ball away from Aaron Rodgers because he's a bad man Chris Aaron Rodgers is a bad man they got to keep it away from him I think they do that on the ground with Dave Montgomery mixing a little Tariq Cohen and I think you got yourself a W a W there in Chicago week one eh? heck yeah heck yeah all right well that's all the time we have for you today on In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. Again, I'd like to thank all of our sponsors. Thank you, Chris, for joining us. Thank you, Tom, for joining us earlier in the show. And thank you, In Between listeners. We'll catch you next week. Goodbye.